Welcome to the Hanover Valley Podcast, a ministry of Hanover Valley Presbyterian Church. We are located at 133 Carlisle Street in downtown Hanover, Pennsylvania. Check out the rest of our website at hanovervalley.org. Thank you for listening. Turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, please. We're going to look again in this brief series in this book of wisdom written by, uh, it says, by the words of the teacher. Today we learn a little bit more about this teacher, as it were, the person who wrote it, a little bit more about his history, as it were, uh, and a little bit more about our lives. And we're going to read, uh, starting at the, uh, at the middle of chapter 1, verse one uh, chapter 1, verse 12, and follow along a, a bunch of paragraphs into, into chapter 2. Follow along and I will read aloud. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study, to explore by wisdom all all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on me. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I thought to myself, look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. I thought in my heart, come now, I will test I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guiding guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more heads of heads, uh, herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well and the delights of the heart of men. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all of this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. This was the reward for all my labors. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless." Chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. So then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can a king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise man has eyes in his head like the, while the fool walks around in darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes both. Then I thought in my heart, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said in my heart, this too is meaningless. For the wise man, like the fool, will not be long remembered. In days to come, both will be forgotten. 
Like the fool, the wise man, too, must die. So I hated my life because the work that is done under the sun, it was grievous to me. All of this was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool, yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my efforts and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless, so my heart began to despair over it all, my, over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work in wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it at all. This, too, is meaningless and a great, and great misfortune. What does a man get for all of his toil, anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days, his work in his pain and grief, even at night his mind does not rest. This, too, is meaningless. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. In his work. This, too, I see, is from the hand of the Lord. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up his wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. This is God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, pray that you'd be with us this morning as we look at your word. Pray that you give us hope and, and health and satisfaction as we read it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, years and years ago, there's a movie that I think to this day still is sort of ranked as the number one, as, the, as, the, as, as it were, the best film ever made. It's called Citizen Kane. Uh, it's an old black and white movie uh, that, that, I mean, you can still, I mean, it's probably on Netflix. I haven't checked, I didn't check that out this week. But Citizen Kane tells the story of Citizen Kane. Uh, and one of the reasons it's one of the greatest movies of all time, not just because of its story and its plot line, but because the way the movie was filmed and how it was done and uh, the filmmaker uh, changed filmmaking as a result of the way that it was done. Uh, but the, it, it, the, the, the plot, the storyline of the movie Citizen Kane follows a man at the very beginning of the film. He's dying and, uh, and we don't know who the man is that's dying, but he's dying. And his final word, his final word in this, in this breathy uh, last will and testament is, he says, Rosebud, Rosebud. And so you're like, Rosebud, that's, you know, how does that start off? So then the movie then backtracks and you go to the beginning of this man's life and you watch his whole life develop and he becomes this great uh, architect of culture. He becomes wealthy. He becomes a, a, a master of industry, a well-respected uh, uh, leader of his day and age, Citizen Kane. And then, uh, and all in the various trials and travails of his life, the ups and downs, a self-made man of great wealth, of great ability, of great influence over all the world. And then in the end, the, in the end of his life, his whole fortune, he dies his life, his life uh, as it were, falls apart. His life crumbles. His, his, his house is collapsing. They're selling his possessions. They're burning everything that he has in the end of the film. And you watch them throwing things from, his, from his, all that he has gathered 
uh, and all that he has amassed, the wealth and the wisdom and the collections he's amassed, they're throwing it into a large uh, furnace of fire. And, they, and one, one, of the workers, uh, one of the workers grabs, grabs a, an old sled that he had and th- uh, the, for, in his collection, and he throws it in the fire. And as the flames are engulfing the sled, across the top of it is the word rosebud. And you discover the meaning of his final words. At the end of his life, what Citizen Kane, this great architect of humanity and culture, what he was discovering is all of that was worth nothing compared to the simplicity of his life when he was a child. He just wanted to sled and be a child again. He wanted to be done with all the complexity. All that he had amassed came to nothing. That, that film, that storyline is depicting a great, in great measure a, a good bit of what the writer of Ecclesiastes is describing. And today we find out that, that, we, today we find out that the teacher was king over Israel, the wisest of all kings over Israel, the wisest of all kings, the, the richest of all kings, the, the, the king that had amassed all the opulence. He was the citizen Cain of his day, as it were. Solomon was that king. King Solomon writes us these words. He's the teacher. He's the one that God, that when given the choice of anything he could ask of the Lord and that he would give him, Solomon, more than choosing wisdom or more than choosing wealth, more than choosing power, more than choosing uh, greatness, he, he says, Lord, give me, give me wisdom that I could be wiser than, than any man. And God said, you have asked you have asked wisely, you have, you have sought wisely, I will give you the wisdom that you seek. And so Solomon was a great, great, wise king in many, many ways. Also a radical fool in very many others. But we see King Solomon telling us a number of things in this. And the, 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 two, the two things that he tells us in this passage, the two things that I want us to focus on today as we look at it is the experience of black holes and the gift of futility. The experience of black holes and the gift of futility. We see Solomon in these, in, in uh, the end of chapter, at the end of chapter uh, one, he basically says, you know, wisdom is a great gift, but it's also a great curse. Because the more I know, the more I wish I didn't know. You ever have that experience? I talk, to, I talk to people in the medical field. I hear this all the time. People in the medical field tell me all the time, I wish I didn't know everything I know. And part of what they mean by that is, I know, I know so much. I have so much wisdom. I have so much knowledge about how the body works, about how the medical field works, about how you know, disease works. It just makes me more anxious now that I know these things than it did before. And I thought knowledge was going to make that easier, was going to make that once I, once I got through school, once I got through the first couple of years of my career, people in education tell me the same thing. Trying to teach people something that they don't want to know? Well, they'll, I'll be better at it. It'll be easier once I get a, a, a degree in education, right? You know, um, what, even, in, even in the ministry, 
from, from, from a very young, as a very young man, I knew that God ha- had a, a desire, had a, had a, that, that God wanted me to go into the ministry in some ways. It, it, it gave me no greater pleasure in this world. I could do a lot. I could do a number of things. Um, I, I remember sitting in a, uh, I remember sitting in a, in a um, fluid dynamics course in, in college, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. I was sitting in a fluid dynamics course. It was, it was engineering 303 or something like that, and uh, my junior year, and I'm I'm listening to to him talk about the the science of how fluids operate and the physics that's involved in fluids, and my mind begins to wander, and in that class, it 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 occurred to me, crystallized in my mind. I will not be happier operating in engineering and in, and in fluids and building bridges or developing systems. I, that, will not make, that will not make me as happy. That will not give me as deep a satisfaction as telling people how they can fall in love with Jesus. I left that class, that class, while he's spilling fluids over on the counter and teaching us why it flows in this direction and how the surface tension operates and what the arcs and the vectors were. I left that class, went down to the administration's office that very moment, and I changed my major. I changed it to math because I, because I had basically become a math major as an engineer. It's what happens. But it got me out of school in four years as opposed to five, and I could go to grad school after that more quickly and not waste as much money. And I did. And I thought to myself, you know, when I get my master's degree in theology, it's going to be so much easier to tell people that God loves them. And you know what I found? After all that chasing after the wind and education... It's not harder. It's not easier telling people that God loves you and that he's done so much to give you his grace. People are resistant to it. And the, as, as much as I know, it's, it's more, I'm more anxious knowing all that I know and all, that I, all the experience that I have over 30 years in ministry. It's the same thing. The more you know, the more you wish you didn't know. That's what Solomon's telling us. He says, I, I'm, the wisest man, I'm the wisest king that's ever been in Israel. You know what? What do they? What, it reminds me. What, what do they? Uh, what do they tell Peter Parker? With with great power, Spider Man, with great power comes great responsibility. And you think, oh, once I can, you know, once you become a friendly neighborhood Spider Man, everything gets easier. When you can lift a car, when you can shoot webs, when you can fly through the city. Life gets easier, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It gets harder. It gets more grueling. It gets more difficult. And what, uh, and, what, and what Solomon is telling us is he knows a lot of stuff, and what he's discovered is all the avenues, all the ways he's gone down, all the roads he's pursued, all the knowledge that he's gained has taught him one thing. Following down the road of the black holes of life is only going to be meaningless. It's going to be utter futility. He says, let me give you a couple of examples. And you noticed in here, um, as, you, as you divide up that section in chapter 2, he basically spends a couple of paragraphs on three different topics. He says, let me go down the black hole. Let me go down the black hole of pleasure. 
We're going to spend time. Let me tell you, I've gone down the pleasure hole. I've gone down that, down that road. Let me tell you about the, the pleasure road. He says, then, then after he takes us down the pleasure road, then he takes us down another road. He says, let me, ta- let me take you down another black hole. Here's another one that a lot of people follow, another carrot that we're chasing. Uh, wisdom itself, accruing vast knowledge, filling the mind up, education and, and ability and skill in that range. And then the, the, the other black hole that I find people following, work. Labor. He says, I've gone down the black, the, each of these black holes. I've, I've used, he says, and I've done it. You've noticed in here he mentions, he says, I've done it while still remaining, uh, you know, while still uh, maintaining my wisdom. I haven't lost, he says, in, he says this in verse, uh, in verse 9 in, in chapter 2. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. He says, every time I went down a black hole, I was still the wisest man in Israel. I'm still doing it. I'm still following down these black holes with great wisdom, with great tact, with great uh, desire to learn. What is this teaching me? I wasn't just sort of frivolously, headlong, throwing myself into this without a sense of, keeping my head about me. What he says is, I'm going into these black holes for the sake of what can I learn giving my life to these these life-sucking experiences. You know what I found? Found the same thing. I I discovered the same. Now, Solomon didn't say this because he precedes these guys, but Solomon's saying the same thing that you and I have been singing about all of our lives. Rolling Stone Theology. I can't get no satisfaction. Isn't that what Keith Richards taught us? I have kissed honey lips, felt the healing of her fingertips. It burned like fire, this burning desire. I have spoke with the tongue of angels. I have held the hand of a devil. It, has, it was warm in the night. It was cold as a stone. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, says Bono. We've been singing about it our whole lives. The experience of black holes is futility. The experience is meaningless. I, we throw ourselves into these lives. He's, Solomon says, I, I did all the pleasurable things. I gave myself to women, wine, and song. And it didn't fill me up. It didn't make me happy. As a matter of fact, he says, I hate my life. That's even, a, that's even an acronym when you're texting. IHMF, IHML. I hate my life. That's the expression. And, that's, and that's, what, that's what Solomon says. He says, I went down. He says, I laugh. And I look, I look at myself laughing. I see myself laughing at life. And I'm just, it's just foolish. It's, it's just all, it's all silly. It's all, it's all empty. And then, I, and then I'm, I'm drinking. 
and I'm embracing all the folly of that, and it doesn't satisfy. And, it, and don't we find that to be true, you know, with, with alcohol, you know, with, with Netflix, <laughs> fitness, football. When you get a little bit of it, then you need a little bit more of it. And then when that little bit more doesn't fill you up, then you need a little bit more. A little bit more and more and more until finally you're, you're, this is how the black hole sucks you in. This is how p- pleasure and all of these things are wonderful, pleasurable, pleasurable things. You know, you watch one episode, now I want to watch 10 episodes. Becky and I, were, Becky and I had uh, run into a, a similar, I came home one day and I said, you know, I'm, I, somebody tells me about a series we need to watch on Netflix. I, I never heard of it. She's, I've heard that, that series mentioned a bunch of times, too. We should do that. And then talking to my daughter, she says, oh, that, that series is like five years old. I go, and I'm just hearing about it now? I, I, you know, it's, it's, sort of the, it's sort of the ripple effect of pandemic. People are discovering things and re-watching them over the time of the pandemic. But what gets me is people love the idea of being able to, uh, is that I don't, I don't, the networks, the network doesn't dole out the drug at their pace, one hour a week, oh no, I get to dole out the drug. Especially if I'm watching a series that's four seasons in, oh my goodness. Now I can dole it out as fast or as slow as I want that will just energize the adrenaline junkie that's inside me. And the black hole sucks me in. And Solomon says, you know, pleasurable for a while, but meaningless, ultimately. He says, you know, even, even the study of wisdom, even, even following, even trying to amass great, great knowledge, you know, he says, he even says in here, he says, certainly it's better to be a wise man than a fool. Yes, certainly. He says, I'm not, I'm not telling you it's not, that it's not better to be wise in life than to be a fool in life. He says, but when you, when you go down this road, the end is the same for both guys. The mortality rate in life and humanity is still one to one. That's what he's saying. He says, you can, you can go on. He says, in the, in the end, okay, the wise man, you know, meanders in his drunken foolishness all the way down this road. And the, or I say, the foolish man winds his way, meanders drunkenly down this road, and the wise man follows a straighter path. But in the end, this guy, he's warbling all the way around, and they're both ending at the same place. So what good is it to be wise I hate my life. That's what, it, that's, that's what wisdom teaches him. He says, even work. I built cities. I put together resources. I've worked hard under the sun. Remember that phrase from last week? Under the sun. On this earth, in this way, seeing it from a horizontal perspective only, I've done everything I possibly can. I've been a, I've been a, a, a master of industry and of life, building, amassing, accruing, and for what purpose? You know, nobody, this, and you know, there, there, there's a, 
the, the, I keep forgetting the, the guy who said this. He says, but nobody at the end of their life on their hospital bed, in their home with their family, surrounded by all of their children, on the last bit of their life, nobody ever said, I wish I'd spent more time at work. But they say that, they get to that knowledge at the end of their lives. What good is it to discover, what good is it to discover that the job that you're selling your soul to is ultimately not going to provide you with any satisfaction? What good is it to discover that at the end? I remember, I remember I'd been married to Becky, I don't know, Two, two or three years. I remember it, we were at my, we were at my uh, father-in-law's house, Becky's folks' house. It was a Christmas sometime, and we, and and things were, things were in a nostalgic place. And I don't know if we were looking at pictures. I don't know all the particular details, but I do remember my father-in-law. He he uh, he he uh, put his hand on my on my knee, and he sort of said to me in a whispering tone. He says, "You know, I didn't do this right, Drew." Um, I gave too much of my life to my job and I didn't, I didn't care as deeply as I could for my family and for the other more important things. He says, but you can do it better. You're starting at the beginning. It's a wonderful gift because he's telling me the end of the story at the beginning. I'm not sure how much good it did. That's my kids. But Solomon's trying to give us the end of the story at the beginning. He's trying to say, these black holes, this is every one of these things is a black hole. It's going to suck you into nothingness. It's going to suck you into meaninglessness. And then in the end, he says, here's the other thing. These black holes, the experience of them are going to suck you into meaninglessness, nothingness under the sun. He says, but here's the thing. Verse 24. A man can do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in his work. This, too, I see, is from the hand of God. He says, here's what I've learned. The experience of these black holes will suck you into nothingness. If you're trying to find meaning in these things, there is no meaning in them. Let me give you the end of the story at the beginning so that you can change the way you're living. He says, here's the other thing I've learned by these black holes. Futility... The futility of these black holes, the futility of giving your life to something that will never give you life back, that will never give you the satisfaction that you speak, that you wish for, the futility of that, that futility is actually a gift. It's God's gift. It's God's gift, futility. If your life feels futile, if your life, if you hate your life because of these futile black holes that you're being sucked into day upon day upon day, God, Solomon says, it's from God's hand. He's giving you a gift, and the gift is don't give your life to him. They're the only way that you can, the only way that any pleasure can be had, the only way any satisfaction can be, can be resolved, the only way happiness can result is when we find it through, through operating our lives through the lens of our relationship with him rather than trying to find a satisfaction through them. We find our satisfaction in him and then we can enjoy everything else. But if we're trying to find our satisfaction in these things, we will not find him and we will have no satisfaction anywhere. <laughs> and it's so 
tempting. It's so easy. There's a story in Luke 10 where Jesus sends out 70 of his disciples, two by two, to the various towns. And he gives them the message, tell them the kingdom of God is at hand, heal the sick, give sight to the blind, tell them that God is coming to give them grace. And if they don't listen to you, then leave. You know, um, that's fine. Just shake the dust off and move on to the next town. But spread the word. But the word is grace. The word is God's coming. The word is things are going to get better. The word is the king has arrived. (laughs) Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, And heal the sick. Be known as mercy givers in this context. And he sends them out. With the, and, he, and, they, and they come back after having done this and they're all gathered around, much the same as, 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 as other sort of mission groups have been. And, you're, and they're, they're all jazzed. What happened to you? What happened to you? How did it go? Where's it going on? And they're telling these stories. And they're saying, you will not believe the demons we cast out. You will not believe how we were able to heal the sick. You won't believe the power that was going on. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes, baby. This is Luke 10. He didn't actually say, pump the brakes, baby. That's my modern-day translation. He did say, careful that you are finding a sense of euphoria. You are finding a sense of celebration. You are finding life by what you think you can do. By the power by the effectiveness you think you were able to accomplish. He says, I've seen that kind of desire. I've seen that kind of experience before. And it was when Satan fell from heaven. That feeling, that desire that we have to to find satisfaction, to find hope, celebration, happiness in the things I can do is the same evil that existed in Satan when he fell from heaven like lightning, Jesus said. I don't want that for you. That's not what this is about. He says, don't find your satisfaction in what you can do. He says, find your satisfaction in whose you are. That your name is written in the book of heaven and on the hands and heart of my Father in heaven. Find your satisfaction in that and then you will become powerful ambassadors, powerful tools in his hand and, power, and powerful enjoyers of life. You, don't, you won't hate your life. Like Solomon says, the black holes lead to, lead to a life I hate my life. But when you find your satisfaction in being his, It's a great, great movie that my kids grew up watching that we watched with them uh, called Toy Story. The original one comes to mind when I think of this. In the end of the movie, they're trying to get... uh, uh, Andy is moving... And all the stuff was in the moving van. Andy, Andy is the boy that, uh, that owns the toys, that, ha- that loves the toys. And they're trying to get Woody back to Andy who, uh, and, and Buzz Lightyear, and they've fallen out of the truck. 
And so they've got, they put the firecracker in, in, in Buzz's flying gear. They've spread his wings. Uh, he grabs Woody in his arms, and they light the firecracker, and poof, he shoots off. And the moving van is following behind Andy's car, minivan, and they're flying towards the truck, and they're, and they're getting closer. And Buzz says, or Woody says to Buzz while they're flying, he says, you better be careful, we're going to miss the truck. And Buzz says, we're not aiming for the truck. He flies over the truck and in the sunroof of the, of the car and into Andy's lap. He was aiming for connection with his owner. With, and then at the end of the movie, we see Buzz and, and, Buzz and Andy on the, or Buzz and, and, and Woody on the bed, Andy's bed. Andy leaves the room. The toys are all sort of toys. And Andy leaves the room and they all come to life. And the newest toy found his proudest moment when he looks on the bottom of his spacesuit foot and the words and the word Andy was written there. He was Andy's and it gave him satisfaction. Jesus says, when you discover that you are his, uh, Augustine in the third century said this, we were made for him, and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. Solomon is saying, my life was restless down these black holes, and your life will be restless down these black holes unless you find your rest in him, your satisfaction in being his. When you, dis when you find your pleasure in that you are his now, you can... Enjoy everything he gives you or doesn't give you because you're not over-investing in the black hole but completely finding satisfaction in what he provides through your connection to him as he writes his name on your heart. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for telling us the end of the story while we're at the beginning, that the solution to not hating our lives is to discovering that you don't hate us and that we can find our, our wholeness in having you and being had by you. Lead us to that great satisfaction, Father, through faith, that we then might be able to enjoy the things you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.